Good to be here with you all this morning. Um, man, Jesus is alive and good. Amen. Hey, even uh, to kind of piggyback off what Josh was saying a little bit, this, uh, this past Thursday, we came in here in this room, actually, and we got to serve the teachers, like just a welcome back breakfast because their students are coming back uh, tomorrow. And uh, so, like, you know, we got to set up all this breakfast, get all this food, which the Wells Funds actually got to go into kind of making that uh, reality. And the principal just pulled me aside and said, hey, like, we really love the well. We're really grateful for y'all. Uh, would you pray to Jesus over our school and our teachers this year? And I was like, pretty sure that's illegal, but I'm going to always pray to Jesus if you want me to. All right? So we can pray to Jesus today. And uh, man, after that, like the teachers start pulling me aside and I probably got to pray with maybe about eight to 10 different teachers, go to different classrooms, like pray a blessing over the room. There were teachers that were like, I don't even believe this, but I want a blessing. I was like, you can get a blessing if you want. Come on. Right. And just praying. And, and so thank you. Even for, I know that we don't always see everything that's happening, even stuff like that. So just wanted to say that. And thanks for partnering that. And we love this school and want to see God do a really cool work here. Amen. So um, I am, uh, if you, I haven't met you, my name is Tori. I'm actually the lead pastor here at the well. If you're new, uh, we were on sabbatical for a while, so we may not have gotten a chance to meet, but uh, it's good to be back here with you all. Uh, I want to dive right in to the word today. Uh, if you were here last week, what we talked about was uh, really trying to gain this perspective or understanding on the big nature of God, his majesty, his splendor, his uh, really grandness in a way. And yet, at the exact same time, understand his intimacy, that he longs for this deep connection and this deep relationship with us. There's this uh, beautiful paradox in a way that this mass of God longs for all this intimacy. But what we didn't talk about last week was, hey, how do we actually kind of gain that? Like, how is it that we grow in our understanding of the grand nature of God? And how is it that we are able to interact with the intimacy of God and receive that intimacy? What does it look like to grow in our understanding of his matchless majesty and experience this intricate intimacy that he longs for all of us to have with him. What does that look like? How do we do that? And so that's what I want to talk about today. There are many ways, but we're going to focus on one of the main ways and one of my favorite ways today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Isaiah 55 is where we'll be. If you do not have a Bible, uh, you can raise your hand and the ushers are going to come forward and give you one. Uh, if you physically don't own a Bible, I would encourage you just raise your hand and take and keep that. That's our gift to you. You don't have to feel weird if you're carrying it out of here. You ain't stealing it. We're giving it to you, all right? Uh, we would love for you to have the word, be able to use it during the week. You can also follow along on your phone if you want. Uh, you can type in the Well Austin to your YouVersion app, and there's all the notes. There's a link that you can follow. Uh, we want your eyes on the word. We believe in the word. We especially want your eyes on the word today because today we're talking about the word, all right? And so uh, we'd love just to walk into this and we're gonna be in Isaiah 55. I wanna read this whole passage and uh, what I would encourage you to do is if you have like a little ribbon in your Bible or something, keep your hand here because we're gonna read a couple of other scriptures but we're gonna keep referencing back to this section in Isaiah 55. Cool, you ready? Yeah. All right, six of us, here we go. Uh, beginning in verse six, it says this. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways or your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, uh, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. One of the ideas that this section is highlighting is the importance of Scripture and Scripture's role in our lives. If you want to experience intimacy with God, if you want to grow in an understanding of God and who He is, the most natural and the most common way that God speaks to us is actually through His Word. We say the Word and prayer really go hand in hand in a lot of ways and really being able to understand God and who He is. And so there's a ton of ways to interact with God and to connect with God, right? Like we talked about that last Last week, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. So you can eat and drink and connect with God. You can do it in worship, as hopefully some of us just did. You can uh, do it in, uh, you know, giving or in discipleship or in sharing our faith or uh, meditation or all these different things. And they're all really, really good. We talked about those last week. But the primary way that God consistently speaks to us and interacts with us is through the Word of God. And this is what we need to walk in as a family. So look at even what this text is saying about the word in that sense. It says it will go forth from God's mouth and it will accomplish his purpose. And then you, the receiver of the word, you're going to go forth in joy and in peace. Anyone want a little bit more joy and peace in their life? Right? Like, I want that, okay? In fact, it says you're going to go forth with so much joy and so much peace that the mountains and the hills, they're going to be dancing before you. Like, they're like, hey, I see you, right? They're clapping their hands at you. Now, I said this last week. Reread through Scripture so fast, we don't think about what's going on there. Like, the mountains are breakdancing before you. What's happening here, right? Like, why in the world is, is the Scriptures giving us this analogy? What is it trying to communicate to us? What is communicating? is that the word of God brings to you the emotions that your soul craves and longs for. It brings this resolve that your soul deeply needs, this joy or this peace that as the word of God enters into you, that that's what you're going to go forth with, so much so that everything around you will be able to realize this person has been with the Lord, this person has spent time with God, man, they are filled with joy or with peace. You're gonna literally impact things around you because of how the word of God is interacting with you. You tracking with that? Yeah, we awake? Y'all all right? All right, okay, hey, it's hard to talk a little bit, all right? I just want y'all to know that, okay, let's go ahead, all right? So look, this is what's happening here. Like, man, God is doing something. And so uh, it not only gives us this, uh, uh, these emotions or these resolves that we need, but it also says that the word of God radically transforms us. It transforms us in these unbelievable ways. Like, think about it like this. When you water a thorn bush, what do you expect to get? 
I just say y'all can talk now, you know what I'm saying? This ain't a trick question, all right? What do you get? A bigger thorn bush, right? Like that's what you get, okay? When you water, you know, Brian, that's what you get. A bigger, just more messiness is what's going on there. But it says the word of God will enter into your heart and kind of change you completely so that you no longer are just a bigger thorn bush, but the thorn bush becomes a cypress tree. What is happening there? The word of God comes, it interacts, and then it literally completely changes who you are. You don't just become a different version of yourself. You become a totally new creation. And this happens when you hear the word of God preached, when you respond by faith, and then as God interacts through his word, man, it begins to change you. It transforms you in these unbelievably beautiful ways. The old man dies, the new man comes. And that comes through the preaching, the hearing, the transformation of the word of God. See, the Spirit of God, he interacts with the Word of God to completely transform who we are. But it's not just true for those of us who actually believe in the Scriptures. It's actually true for everybody in general. Even if you think that this whole Christianity thing is totally bogus, the Word of God actually can still totally transform us. Because I was once a man who thought this whole thing was totally bogus. I heard the Word preached, and now I'm preaching to others. God totally changes us as we hear the word. And so even in Isaiah, this first section, what we're seeing here is that, man, the word transforms us when we don't know God. That's an overarching theme here. When we do not know who God is, we do not believe in this God, we do not believe in this Jesus, that the word actually transforms us even there. I want you to keep your finger there in Isaiah, but in Romans chapter 10, Paul is actually using Isaiah's message here and giving a lot of the same analogy and illustration to express the same thing, that the word of God transforms us when we do not know who he is. And so in Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse eight, it says this, but what does it, say the word. It says, the word is near you, the word, right? It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Jump down to verse 14. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news or words of God. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So it's by hearing of the word, this good news about Jesus that is found in the scripture that we even come to faith in the first place. You are changed, you are saved literally by the hearing of the word. Now the Holy Spirit is the one that transforms us, but it's by hearing this gospel message preached or reading this gospel message in the scripture or whatever it may be that it begins to transform who we are. If you go back to Isaiah there, he's saying the same thing. Verses six and nine are about the word, verses one through five show us. And so it's talking about the scriptures and it says, hey, come to God while he may be found. And think about the reality of this based on the scriptures. Like if you refuse to come to God or to come to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, what it says there is that your thoughts are not like his thoughts and your ways are not like his ways. And so what usually happens, one of the main reasons why we refuse to kind of give our lives to Jesus or to come to Christ, to believe in him, is usually because what we do is we take 
our thoughts and our ways, and we project them onto God. And then when we don't like this God that we see, we get mad at the real God, not realizing we're not actually getting mad at the real God. We're getting mad at the God that we created. Y'all tracking with that? Our thoughts are not like his thoughts. Our ways are not like his ways. So even your understanding of Christianity and grace, like did you get it from the scriptures or did you get it from what other people were saying about God? Or maybe what you were thinking about God? Or maybe what somebody who never referenced the scripture just said about God? Is that true? Like, man, God's thoughts are so radically different. Have you allowed the scriptures to interact with you? Like many of us probably think that grace is one way and in a very natural and human way of thinking, it would kind of make sense in our heads. But in reality, the idea of even just the grace of God is radically different than what we tend to naturally think. Like the reason that we believe that Christianity is actually a religion that is from God and that every other religion is a false religion, it is not from God, is because in every other religion, even just something as simple as the idea of grace is so radically different than what Christianity preaches. So what we believe is that humans made every other religion because in every other religion, this idea of grace is that you would work in such a way that you would satisfy this God that if you did enough good things, then maybe God will be pleased with you and will let you into the kingdom. In fact, even atheism, which is a religion, by the way, even that says the exact same thing, that if you do enough good work, then you can feel good about about yourself and you can keep going. Every other idea is a very human way of thinking that if you do enough good, then this God will be pleased. But Christianity comes along and he says, my thoughts aren't like that. My ways aren't like that. You actually can't do enough good. And so instead I'm gonna come down and do good for you. You cannot work your way up to God. So therefore God worked his way down to you that he may display this grace. This is a radically different way of thinking y'all. Have you realized that? Do you think about that? Are your thoughts about God the way that scripture would actually highlight? Is, is this what you are thinking about with God? He just says, it's not about what you can do. It's about what I have done. In fact, what we realize is that our sins are far worse than we could have ever imagined, but God's grace is far more sufficient than all of that. In fact, we can't even dream about how beautiful the grace of God is. There's so much difference here. God's thoughts are different, but we often don't come to God because we project our own thoughts upon God and on who he is. Like, how can you understand God's grace and what we just said unless you hear the word and you see it in the word and you sing about it in the word sung or the word preached or the word read or the word communicated with one another or whatever it may be. Man, this idea is so foreign to us that we can't actually grapple with it unless we're grappling with the word. Because if we rely on our own thoughts, we're gonna think that grace is something totally different than what scripture is highlighting to us. I know I struggle with that all the time. Like think about even verse seven, just as an example, okay? If you look back there again in verse seven, it says that God will abundantly pardon, it says. He will abundantly pardon. So pardon means to forgive, right? So if I say, uh, you know, uh, let's, say, let's say that Renji, right? What's up, dog? You right? Cool. I called him him because he's about to go to sleep. I'm just kidding. He, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He wasn't doing that. He was listening, all right? Let's say that uh, Renji came and he just smashed my car, right? First of all, he'd catch these hands, all right? No, I'm just kidding, right? But in reality, right, uh, I would be really thankful because I need a new car anyway, bro. So thank you for that. It gives me an excuse, okay? But if Renji smashed my car and I walked up to him and I said, hey, Renji, I pardon you. First of all, you'd be like, did you just turn British on me? Like, pardon, what? Okay, right? What does that mean, though? What would that mean in this idea? I forgave him, right? Like, hey, you smashed my car. You know what? It's all right, bro. Like, let's just move on 
You don't owe me anything, right? That, that's what that's saying, right? Yeah, y'all agree? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> y'all can talk, all right, all right, all right. So, right, you're clear of all the damages. That's good. So question, what in the world does it mean then to abundantly pardon? Like if I go to Renji and I say, hey man, like, like I, I abundantly pardon you for smashing my car. I'd be like, uh, okay. Like, you gonna give me money now or something for smashing your car, right? Like, and that's what's happening here. Once again, we read past these words too fast, but it says that God doesn't just forgive us, he doesn't just pardon us, but he abundantly pardons us, which means not only does he wash us clean from our sins, but he brings us and gives us eternal life and gives us the blessing of himself and gives us hope and gives us joy and gives us peace and on and on and on and on we can go. God not only absolves our sin, which would be far more than we could ever ask or, or think or imagine, but then he blesses us way beyond on top of that. But we cannot understand that unless we spend time in God's presence and hear that spoken over us mainly from God's word. Like maybe think about it like this, okay? If somebody went and they uh, killed my wife, let's get real, like let's get heavy here, right? And I went and I said, you know what, man, I forgive you. Y'all would already think that was radical, right? And then what if that guy came back and he said, oh man, thanks for forgiveness. Uh, you know what, can I actually have your house too? Like how absurd would that be, right? Okay, listen, you've done more than murder the wife of Christ. You've spit on all of his creation over and over and over again. But not only does God say, hey, I forgive you, but then he actually commands us to ask of even more. He wants to give us that much more, give us more of himself. This is a, we can't even comprehend that. Are y'all tracking with this? Like it sounds wild. It's this scandalous grace that God longs to give to us. Man, God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. And if we do not go to the God of the scriptures, we're gonna be confused about who God is, and we're not going to have the relationship that God longs to have with us, nor are we going to see this majesty that he longs to paint for us. Amen? Like, we need to see it in the Word of God. God wants to show it. He is not waiting for you to come to him so that he can punish you. He's waiting for you to come to him so that he can abundantly pardon you and bless you with all of who he is, friends. This is our God. This is who our God is. You can be absolved washed clean, crimson made snow, old man made new. God wants to interact with you, friends. This is the reality of scripture. And, and how do we come? It says in Romans 10, by the preaching of the word and then the believing of the word, which preaching isn't just what happens on here. It's as we communicate the word to each other. I mean, you can hear about this God and the word then literally begins to transform us. It teaches us about God. Like, like have you heard that news before? Have you heard that version of Christianity before? Have, have you seen it in the scriptures? Do you know God like that? This unrealistic, I can't even describe it. This idea of this God of grace, is, is that who you know? Right? Is that who you're interacting with? Or are you not coming to God because you're trusting in your own thoughts and your own ways? I would encourage you that your thoughts and your ways, that they're really low. And this idea of scripture is really unbelievable, y'all. This idea of grace, God says, come, I want you to be forgiven. I want you to have peace. I want you to have joy. I want to transform you. God will abundantly pardon. And so this is the beauty of this God. I mean, even think about it in this way. The God who spoke and by a word created everything that we know of as life so that same God can still speak by his word and enter in and give us new life. 
God created life in Genesis 1, and he wants to create life today. As you hear the word preached, as the word transforms, as God is a powerful God, where there was spiritual dryness, Christian, God wants to wake it up and, and to transform and to give you the cypress tree of your soul, right? Where there was deadness, those of you who may not know God, you don't feel this spiritual aliveness, God wants to come and make you alive in Christ, friends. This is who our God is. This is what he longs for. And look at the end of verse 13 even. It says that he wants to give you eternal life, not momentary happiness that comes and goes whether or not the song is hitting today and whether or not you know the lyrics and like it. No, 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 not that, right? Eternal happiness, joy that, that cannot be snuffed out by even the weight and pain of this world, the transformation of the word that has eternal consequences, y'all. It does something that's everlasting. And that's why we as believers, we even share this word and we preach this word and we proclaim to others, we want you to know this God. Listen, the most loving thing that we can do is to share this word with others because this is where true joy comes in, y'all. This is where true peace comes from. This is where true victory over sin or everlasting life, it comes through the word. And so we shamelessly say, we want you to fall in love with Jesus because we believe that he is is life. We want you to have life. This is why the beautiful feet, they bring the good news. This is why we, we preach so that they may hear because faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so we interact with this and others. However, right, the word is not just salvific. It doesn't just change those of us who don't know God. The word also, it changes those of us. It transforms us who we do know God. We just don't know him like we should. All right, so maybe we've interacted with God a little bit. We've, we've given our lives to Christ. We would say, man, I'm, I'm a Christian, right? But we don't really know him like we should. Man, the word still transforms us. In fact, I want you to jump to uh, Psalm chapter 29. And, uh, and Psalm 29 is the Psalm of David. And it's just an awesome picture. And I want to read the whole Psalm, actually, because what David is doing here is he's painting uh, this image of God. And remember, whenever you hear God's voice, remember that's God's word, right? The voice is the word. It goes forth. It's the same thing. So he's using it uh, interchangeably, if you will. And so Psalm 29 says this, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. I love this psalm because, man, the voice of the Lord, right? And all throughout it, it's kind of like, yo, the voice of the Lord is kind of scary, y'all. Right? Like he's out here cracking wood, right? Flashing forth flames of fire. Say that 10 times fast, right? Like he's uh, making forests run away. Like he's making deer give birth. I love that, right? It's like, like I am the Lord. It's like, man, right? That, that, was a, that was not a deer sound. That was a sheep sound, right? 
What, what, what does a deer sound like, right? Bang. I'm just kidding. I <laughs> know. Uh, uh, you can't recover from that. I ain't even never been hunting, y'all, because hello, right? Okay, so, right? <laughs> uh, listen, God's voice is scary, right? It's this powerful thing. It's like terrifying. And so listen, as God's voice come and as it's doing all these other things, when God's voice speaks to us, what do you think would most naturally happen? Like we would melt like wax is what you would expect to read. But that's not what the scriptures say at all. It says that then as God comes to us, this massive, all-powerful God that can measure the waters and the hollows of his hand, when he comes to us and when we hear his voice, look at the end of that, it says we get strength and peace. Wow. How crazy is that? Listen, if you find yourself starving for strength and starving for peace, maybe it's because you've been starving yourself from the word of God. Maybe you haven't been consuming this bread of life that comes and it transforms you. Maybe that's why you're lacking strength and peace. I don't say that heavily or to a heavy hand. Like, like, man, this is what the scriptures say. As we hear the voice of God, as he interacts with us, man, the mountains and the hill, they clap before us, they dance before us because we have all this joy or all this strength or all this peace. It gives us this understanding of God and who he is and it paints his power and draws us into his intimacy. The word of God transforms us, y'all. It makes us a different people. It gives us what we long for. It literally sanctifies us and begins to make us like his son. And so we must be a people that are in this because this is what our souls crave. Our souls crave this. Now, I know what can happen at a moment like this. At a moment like this, right, as we're talking about the word and if we're struggling to read the word right now, or maybe we've always struggled, like we've tried to read the word, we just don't really get a whole lot out of it. And we're like, man, it just, it doesn't do that. I feel so frustrated or confused or, you know, you had intention of reading the word yesterday and then you woke up kind of late and then you're like, I got to run this errand. And then I'll read it tonight. And then you went and night came and all of a sudden your favorite news show, whatever you're watching, released a new episode and you're like, ah, let me watch that first and then I'll get in the word. And then you just never really got in the word. And that kind of is a pattern of your life. Here's what I know can be happening when we're like, read the word, see the word, it transforms, is that you can begin to feel this sense of guilt, which is exactly what the enemy would long for you to feel. And what normally happens is you go, gosh, stupid me, just, just read the word. So stupid, just, just read the word, right? Does that sound like the voice of a loving father? <laughs> stupid son? God would never say that to you. Whose voice you've been listening to? Yours? The enemy's? Or are you listening to the voice of God? What would he say to you in a moment like that? Well, Isaiah 55 even shows us that. There in verse 6, right? If you go back and you, you look at that verse again, literally it opens up that section. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. When can God be found? Today. Like, like right now, and you know what? If right now and if today we don't spend time in the word and we go and, you know, we start getting all busy and then tomorrow comes along, then guess when God can be found? Tomorrow, which at that day will be today. What is it saying? The Lord is always near, right? Now, I'm not saying wait until tomorrow to seek the Lord. Honestly, it's the arrogance of humanity that thinks that we'll just kind of be immortal, not realizing the red light today could change our eternity forever. 
And so I'm saying seek the Lord today, right? But even if we neglect that and even if we pass that off, then, man, guess what? God is still near. And he says, call upon me while I may be found, which is as long as you have breath in your lungs, God may be found. He is near and he wants you to come close. He's not saying, why aren't you here? He's not like a a vindictive boss that's waiting for you to come so he can punish you. He's a loving father that wants to wrap you in his arms and hold you in his chest like we read in Isaiah. 40 last week. God longs for this intimacy. And so don't wait. Like, like come today. Like, like right now, resolve to see God. But then even as you fail, don't, don't hear the voice of the enemy. Hear the voice of your father saying, come. Like, isn't that what we just sang, right, before we even got into the word? Come, come to me, Jesus says. And so this is what God longs for. God longs for you to come close. In fact, I love this section. Some of my favorite passages in all of the Bible are in Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. If you have a pen, I just want you to circle every time it says the word come. This is what the voice of God sounds like. It says, come, everyone. Who is not included in the everyone? Y'all are like, how do I answer that? Nobody, everyone, which way do I do that? Okay, this is everyone, right? Come everyone who thirst, come to the waters, and he who has no money, listen, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price, because you didn't pay for this gospel. Jesus paid for it for you. And so come, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen, right? That's the words of God. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food, incline your ear and come to me and hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. God is longing for you to come and to be close, y'all. He does not want to cut you off. He wants you near. And we know this is true because of the reality of what we see in our King Jesus. You see in verse 13, what we read is that there's this eternal inheritance. Even there in verse three, we see it again. In verse 13, we will not be cut off. How do we know that that's true? How can we have hope and believe in that? Well, it's because of what Jesus has done for us. You see, in John chapter one, John calls Jesus the word of God. The literal understanding, the word of God comes down and becomes flesh, it says. And as Jesus lives on this life, he is perfect. And yet, as he is dying on the cross, he feels God's farness. He is forsaken by God. He is cut off by God. Why? So that you and I, who should be cut off from God for all eternity, may now, if we come by faith in Jesus, never be cut off, but always be close to God, one day dwelling with him forever. The sacrifice of Jesus paid for the farness we should be feeling, and it brought us close to God if we believe, y'all. This is so beautiful, right? Like, like, does the gospel like do something in you, right? Does it, do you hear those words and just hear them? Or are you saying, soul, listen and live? That's what Isaiah said, soul, listen and delight and live. The gospel message, it transforms us. Jesus longs for us to be close. You and I who should be far off from God may never feel that again because of what Jesus did for you and what Jesus did for me. And even in those moments where he feels distant, he is not distant, y'all. He's pretty close. And as he's transforming us, man, one day he will be close forever. In fact, it says that the sun will disappear because the glory of Jesus will be our sun and he will radiate forever. You ever been like in a cold room for a really long time and you walk outside and the sun just feels so good on your skin? Imagine what it's like basking in the glory of Jesus' light forever. 
That's the reality. He shall be close forever one day, it says. And so this is why we need to read the word so that we can see the word, Jesus, and so that our souls can be transformed. Amen? Now listen, I know this takes time, right? Like there's a lot of days where uh, just you read and honestly not much is happening, Right? And a lot of times that kind of produces a laziness in us, which then uh, doesn't uh, encourage us to really read a lot. One of uh, my seminary professors, Howard Hendricks, used to say, uh, the Bible does not bear fruit to the lazy. I love that. You've got to work for it a little bit. It's like a garden, right? You can't, like, water the thorn one day and be like, oh, now there's an everlasting cypress tree, yeah. right? The word does transform, but you've got to kind of nurture it and mend it and uh, water it kind of over and over and over again. It's kind of like working out, right? Like, you can't just go into the gym once a year, do, like, four sit-ups after drinking a latte, and then expect to have a six-pack, right? That's what the kingdom will be like. That's not what earth is like. I'm, I don't, know, I don't know if heaven's going to be like that, but I hope so, right? You don't get a six-pack that way. What happens? You go over and over and over and over and over and over again, and then finally you have like a two-pack, and then you go over and over and over again, and then you get a six-pack. That's why your boy ain't got no six-pack, because I ain't trying to go like that, right? And so listen, the same is true with the word in a lot of ways. You go over and over and over again, and then God begins to give you a spiritual six-pack. Is that a weird analogy? <laughs> I tried, all right? Listen, the water comes, right? And as you water your soul, y'all, it goes from thorn to cypress. And this is what God longs to do to transform you. But that takes time and effort and some nurturing. But can we even be real? Shoot, I mean, sometimes we actually do feel immediate transformation. A lot of times it takes a long time. A lot of times it takes, you know, this persistence. But sometimes you go once and God does something radical. Like, like, can I be real with y'all, even from this week, all right, like, like, let me keep it 100, even this week, I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling this, like, discouragement the whole week, and all these emotions, and all these, you know, from really the past two weeks of stuff just, like, flying around me, and just feeling this sense of weightiness, and on Wednesday, what happened was, it started kind of overwhelming me, I'm a F on the Myers-Briggs, so I'm, like, a hardcore feeler, so I'm, like, <laughs> Like, oh, where you at, God, right? And I'm just feeling it, okay? I wasn't like that, but you know what I mean, right? And so I'm feeling this heaviness. And what I do when I, my emotions start to overwhelm the reality that I know is true, but I'm starting to believe a little bit too much of my emotions, what I do is I go to the Psalms, and I literally will take whatever Psalm I'm on, and I'll just kind of rewrite that prayer back out to God. And so, for example, if it's like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I might go and say, man, Jesus is the true and greater shepherd. And every time I go to you, Jesus, my soul lacks nothing. In fact, you fill me with everything I need. And so I'll just say that. I'm saying the same thing. I'm just kind of stretching that prayer out, right? So I did that this week as I was feeling overwhelmed and I was on Psalm 61. And as I went to Psalm 61 in my Bible, I only had two little uh, sections like underlined. So apparently that Psalm didn't really speak to my soul that much in times past, right? But then as I start praying through that and as I start literally being in the word, interacting with God through his word, I mean, you would have thought that like, I just heard that uh, all of my dogs died and my grandma died because I was up in the coffee shop like, God, you're so good, right? And then I was actually like teary-eyed. I looked like Josh Guerrero up in there, right? And so, right? You in here? Sorry, dog. <laughs> right? And so, like, man, God actually transformed me, like, honestly, in that moment. 
And I walked out of that coffee shop, and I was a totally different person than when I walked in. And it happened because of God's word. And so, yes, sometimes it takes time, but sometimes, look, it just happens immediately. The problem is, is that we go to these other wells that we think will satisfy, not realizing that, man, those may be easier wells to draw water from, but they are not living water. They will not give you what your soul needs. But as we go to the living water in Jesus Christ, man, it transforms us. He's not distant. He's not trying to hide from y'all. He loves you. He wants you close, family. Do you believe this? Are you reading this so that you do begin to believe it? Because real talk, even today, after the first gathering, I was like, man, God, I'm just feeling a little bit heavy. And as I'm literally trying to wash myself in the word, he transforms even this morning, y'all. Like, like God's word, it transforms And so listen, there's all these other ways to connect with God. And I want to be a people that connect with God in every way that's possible. God is trying to scream out his glory to us. And so he's given us a thousand different ways to see who he is. But oh, family of God, would we be a church that is in this book? Would we be a church that knows his voice because we've heard his words and they sink into our souls and we are transformed as a people of God? Would we be known as a church and known as a people who are guided by the word and empowered by his spirit? Amen? Man, let that be true of us. And because of what Jesus has done, it can be true. If we receive that by faith, let us receive that by faith, family. Hey, I love you guys. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. God, I pray that even right now, even today, God, that, man, those of us who we may not know you, we've never given our lives to you, we've never said, I'm going to follow this Jesus, I want to be a Christian, man, maybe even right now, Spirit, you would interact through your word. as we hear about you, this great and merciful yet intimate God who longs to bless and to redeem and to forgive, would would that draw our souls? Today, friends, you can enter into relationship with Jesus. Faith comes by hearing. And if you heard God's voice today and say, I believe, the scriptures say, man, you are saved. You're entered into relationship with God. And God, for those of us who have made that confession, who have said, I love you, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. Would you continue to save us too, God? Would you sanctify us and draw us into deeper intimacy with you? God, help us to be a people that walk in your word, God. Let this transform us. Let this show us a bigger picture of who you are. Let it expand our minds about your glory more than we could ever imagine. And also, God, let it, let it bring this intimacy, God, that we long for in our souls. God, let that be true of us. Pray us in your very beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.